0: Welcome to Perimeter Cast. So here it is, October 2018. Um, I'm sure pretty much everybody knows by now of the Supreme Court fiasco. Um, If you were one of those people who thought for one second that any of these allegations from high school are going to in any way affect the outcome of this charade then i feel sorry for you because folks this stuff is all a charade they know ahead of time who's gonna vote how many votes you're gonna get it's all been calculated it's all been dealt with behind closed doors They do this little dog-and-pony show for the benefit of the people who are actually naive enough to think that this procedure is nonpartisan. So it just amuses me to see so many people getting verklempt over this kabuki theater. Folks, when are you going to wake up and understand that these people don't live in the world you live in? They don't live in the same universe you live in. What we ought to be asking is, why is every Supreme Court member from an ivy league school and every single one of those except one is from yale why is it that the supreme court is stacked with these ivy league elites that's a thing people ought to be raising hell about in my mind but instead we've allowed these people to divide us and conquer us like we're two different sports teams it's hilarious to watch Grown people curse one side of the government and then expect the other side of the government to fix whatever issue it was that made them angry in the first place. It's just two sides of the same coin. The sooner you realize this, the sooner you can start working on your own personal freedom because the government doesn't give you freedom. All they do is take it from you. So, folks, you know, get it through your head. This. This stuff is not designed to do anything else but keep us divided. So, let's just keep that in mind. So, what do you think the over-under was back in the 90s on who would end up in prison? Donald Trump or Bill Cosby? (laughs) We live in some strange times, that's for sure. So, I remember the first time I was ever exposed to Roundup i was probably 15 or 16 years old and i was working at a summer job and they told me to go and spray all the weeds and i had never sprayed weeds before so i had to take this stuff and mix it up and then pour it into this sprayer it's one of these old school sprayers you know the like a s- chrome cylinder that you had to pump up so anyway i went and poured the mixture into the cylinder and i filled it up with water and you know right away i noticed that sort of bug spray smell so anyway i went out and did what i was told to do and i sprayed all the weeds with the uh the Roundup and after that i didn't think a whole lot more about it well about a week later i noticed that all the weeds that i'd sprayed were starting to turn brown and then a few days later you know everything was pretty much dead so i just remember thinking to myself well that's a pretty good weed killer that's for sure But at no time did I ever think to myself, hmm, this stuff smells pretty good. I think I'll go get a glass and knock back a few shots of this stuff. No. No. This stuff smells like raid. The last thing I'd ever dream of doing would be to ingest this stuff. You know, it's poison. So much like after the exterminator leaves your house and there's that... Bug spray smell that lingers for a little while. You know, everybody knows that isn't something that you'd wanna swallow. Which brings me to the trial that just happened in California where the groundskeeper, I believe at a school, who was charged with spraying the grounds for twenty years or so, he ended up with lymphoma. And they brought a case against Monsanto, now Bayer. And he won the case, and the jury awarded him, I think, over $200 million. Yes, actually, it's $289 million. The guy's name is Dwayne Johnson. And, of course, they're going to appeal the verdict. I can remember the time when the cigarette manufacturers were sued by the state's attorney general's because the product had been, according to them, causing undue hardship on the state's uh, resources because of all the people who ended up with lung cancer and had to be treated. And so they came after the cigarette manufacturers. And during that point in time, the tide had turned and the cigarette manufacturers didn't have their allies in the fda anymore the information had come out the studies had been done and it was pretty clear to everybody that if you smoked cigarettes every day for years on end it was gonna be detrimental to your health so so it felt like popular opinion had swung very hard against smokers, and at that point in time, states started outlawing smoking in bars and restaurants, and they started making people who wanted to smoke in airports go to those smokers' aquariums, and people would mock those people, and it was just a real strong public outcry against cigarettes in general say what you will about smoking cigarettes and the health ramifications that it has you had to go out and make a conscious decision to buy cigarettes take them out of the pack put one up to your mouth and light it before you actually were using the product and on top of that it had a warning label on the side of it that said this product causes cancer, and this is where the similarities end when it comes to Roundup, because these days, whether you know it or not, you may be ingesting something that's harmful to your health, but in today's world, we have folks from Monsanto who are now working at the top levels of the FDA and vice versa. So, it's a revolving door. And the people who shape policy when it comes to GMOs are former employees of Monsanto or either former attorneys for Monsanto. So, today's climate is quite different than it was when the cigarette manufacturers were hauled before the Congress. And in this case, it seems like this Congress has been bought and paid for by the large pharmaceutical companies. So if you're inclined to believe that former employees of biogenetic seed manufacturing companies working at USDA isn't a conflict of interest, then you should pause this podcast right now and send me a hate mail. In August, a report was released. And they sampled 45 conventional wheat products and 16 organic wheat products. And they found glyphosate in 43 of the 45 and in 5 of the organic. Some of these are names you might know like uh, Quaker Instant Oats. Cheerios, Kellogg's Oat Bran, Quaker Steel Cut Oats, Bob's Red Mill Steel Cut Oats, Whole Food Bulk Band Conventional Rolled Oats. Now here's the kicker. There's no Roundup Ready wheat out there. But what they're doing is they're spraying glyphosate on the crop to kill it. So it speeds up the process. So, they can harvest it quicker, I think, is the reasoning behind it. But they're finding this chemical in all of these products that aren't even Roundup ready. There's no reason at all these crops should even be sprayed with glyphosate. Now, the quick argument that came out after this happened was that these levels are below the allowed levels by the FDA. But in my mind, that isn't the point. People should know if there's glyphosate in the product that they're going to consume because people don't want to ingest weed killer. I don't care how many people say that it's safe. People don't want to ingest weed killer. And whether it's your car or your underwear, everything out there is promoted and advertised. And so how telling is it that? The one thing that Monsanto doesn't want you to know is that their product is in your food. And they spent millions of dollars fighting against legislation that would put labels on food that contain non-GMOs. What company fights against free advertising mandated by the United States government? So you've got companies all across the U.S. spending millions of dollars on ad campaigns, and here's a company that spends millions of dollars to keep their product a secret. What's wrong with this picture? Let's think. Why wouldn't you want people to know your product is in their food? Hmm, I know why. Because people won't buy it! They've done the internal polls. They know that given a choice, people will steer away from the GMO stuff. And this is the reason why they don't want you to know what's in your food. One of the things that jumped out at me recently about glyphosate was, although we don't have the pathway that plants have to take up the glyphosate, that pathway is present in bacteria. If you're like me and you're into fermented food, then you're probably aware that our guts contain beneficial bacteria, and it's been shown Here, pretty recently that without this bacteria our bodies can't perform the way they're supposed to so we have this symbiotic relationship with bacteria and it's not that it needs to be there it's the fact that it has to be there and if it isn't then our immune systems don't function the way that they're supposed to and that's the reason why probiotics are so prevalent these days when you go into any grocery store. Having a healthy gut biome is critically important when it comes to your health and now we know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. The fact that glyphosate kills bacteria is something that really hasn't been addressed until recently and when you start to think about it, it begins to make a lot of sense when you start to review a lot of these symptoms that come along from celiac disease or gluten intolerance which in the past really i don't think was out there um, i've had a lot of issues with acid reflux before i changed the way that i ate and now i'm beginning to think because i always thought that it was the preservatives in the food that would give me the acid reflux but now i'm beginning to think could have possibly been some gut issues that i had because of unknowingly ingesting glyphosate even when it wasn't a gmo crop because of the way they're beginning to put this stuff on crops just so that they'll die so they can harvest them easier so it's all over the place and so i just want to briefly let you listen to a part of a YouTube interview that can address this a lot more in depth than I'm able to. So this is Jeffrey Smith talking to Dr. Stephanie Seneff.
1: So tell us what Roundup does to the gut bacteria on a very specific way and what that, what the implications of that are for our health.
2: I mean it's amazing actually because Roundup disrupts two critical bacteria that are very important for our health which is bifidobacteria and lactobacillus. It it kills those bacteria preferentially and it allows pathogens like C. difficile to overgrow. And in fact, exactly that uh, scenario of the reduced of those two important positive bacteria and increased C. difficile is associated with celiac disease. So there's a perfect match there between the celiac symptoms in terms of the gut bacteria and glyphosate's attack on those beneficial bacteria.
1: What are some of the symptoms you might see?
2: Yes, well, for example, um, and I have to check my notes here, but the um, bifidobacteria um, produce uh, folate, and folate uh, deficiency is associated with uh, celiac disease and causes a lot of problems in terms of uh, excess homocysteine and too little methionine um, and a lot of problems following from that with folate deficiency.
1: So if you do a folate deficiency, you have too little methionine, and what would that do?
2: Well, that's terrible because methionine is essential for methylation pathways throughout the body, for one thing. And also, methionine is important for initiating protein synthesis. So there's huge problems with uh, having too little methionine.
1: All right. So just um, methylation pathways throughout the body, what does that mean?
2: <laughs> well, uh, for example, in autism, uh, hypomethylated DNA is, is known to be associated with autism in, that, in, in the brain, and that will cause a, a disrupted brain development.
1: I see. So if without proper methionine, low methionine is not only a characteristic of gluten-related disorders, but also other diseases like autism. Like autism, yes. And so the brain functions less effectively.
2: Right. Well, it it gets turned into this autistic kind of brain, which is uh, unable to socialize and uh, has, you know, cognitive difficulties and social impairments.
1: Coming back to Uh, lack of folate, so the methionine was one of them, and then there was another
2: one. And then there's cobalamin too, which is also produced by these bacteria, and that needs cobalt, which is chelated by glyphosate. It's also chelated by phytate, and phytase is produced by one of these good bacteria to break down phytate. So phytate will chelate iron, cobalt, molybdenum, all these essential nutrients will get chelated, and therefore unavailable by these phytates which are, would be broken down by these good bacteria, but they're not there to do it.
1: Let me pull that one apart. First of all, the chelation thing is absolutely essential. Okay, That cobalamin needs cobalt in order to process it. And, but cobalt is bound with glyphosate. So because it's tied up in a relationship with glyphosate, it doesn't go after anyone else. Yeah, so,
2: and phytate will do that too. So there's both glyphosate and phytate that are binding these things.
1: I see. And, and so it becomes monogamous. It no longer has any relationships with other, with other right, minerals right. or metals. And when you, the cobalt, by the way, understand is a really tight juncture with glyphosate. That it's, that it's a, yes. that the glyphosate just for cobalt, it's, it knocks it out. Now that's related to vitamin B12, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. That is cobalamin. B12 is cobalamin. And of course, B12 deficiency can lead to uh, senility, uh, dementia.
1: So there's two things. There's the, the inability of the, of the gut bacteria to produce B12, yes. and there's the inability of the glyphosate there, I mean, the, the inability of the cobalt to allow it to process.
2: Right, right, exactly. Both of those are a problem.
1: So we've got senility, and we've got autism, but we're getting back to gluten-related disorders. Is this, is the lack of B12 associated with gluten-related disorders?
2: Yes, yes. It's, uh, people with gluten uh, disorders have a B12 deficiency. It's, it's associated with that disease.
1: The, the gluten-related disorders might also be an excess exposure to glyphosate in this case.
2: Right, right.
1: Anything else with the gut bacteria? Because that was the first category on your chart, which I love that chart, by the way.
2: Right, and um, of course the bad bacteria overgrowing is the other side of the coin. Also E. coli, which are very present, but they become anaerobic in the presence of glyphosate. And when they're anaerobic, they produce a a very nasty um, metabolite.
1: So when you say... When you say it becomes anaerobic, usually it involves with oxygen, and that's part of the metabolic thing. It breathes oxygen, so to speak. But in the presence of glyphosate, the oxygen is, is different, and it's a completely different metabolic system. It's completely different, and it has new, new um, byproducts, etc. So the byproducts are a gas.
2: It produces indole, which is, a, uh, which is actually a derivative of one of these amino acids that glyphosate disrupts. Uh, the synthesis of so that might be one of the reasons why it can't the E. coli have to go through this ana- anaerobic pathway. They produce this indole, which causes um, lots of problems. It, it, it causes toxicity to the kidney, so that ends up with eventually with kidney failure, which is also associated with gluten intolerance. And um, the, e- the E. coli are producing this indole, and at the same time, C. difficile are producing another product called p cresol, which is also similarly. Both of these products are related. To the pathway that glyphosate disrupts. So they're diversion products because the pathway can't go through.
1: I see. So, and those other,
2: diversion products are toxic.
1: In other words, normally the bacteria are going to produce things that are just fine, but in the presence of glyphosate, they're producing toxins that can mess up the kidneys and, yes. uh, and be toxic in general.
2: Right. Any other um, problems? And that are associated with autism as well, so.
1: Any other problems with the gut bacteria related to glyphosate?
2: Um, well, there's disulf- disulforebrio overgrows, and that's going to cause problems with hydrogen sulfide gas, causing uh, issues there, because oh, excess hydrogen sulfide gas can also be toxic. So disulforebrio produces this gas that's toxic.
1: So you're creating a gas as well, and that can be caustic to the intestinal walls?
2: It's very uh, highly inflammatory, yes, it could causes inflammation in the gut.
1: So now you have inflammatory bowel, which I know is related to gluten-related disorders, having written about that extensively and uh you also end up um producing uh a zonulin don't you from this gut overgrowth of gut bacteria which can then pull apart the the cells but, you know it can cause gaps in the cell walls along the intestines creating leaky gut
2: that's right yes
1: all right so the gut bacteria by itself it can explain the kidney problems it can explain the gut inflammation it can explain um the methylation uh, in the brain, it can uh, a whole bunch of things.
2: Yeah, the leaky gut and then, of course, also the inability to absorb the nutrients correctly as well because the gut, gut is impaired. So okay, nu- yeah, nutrient absorption problems, which are also very clearly associated with uh, celiac disease.
1: Right.
0: So when you start taking into consideration the gut health and you see how destructive it is to all the beneficial bacteria that live in your gut that's necessary and how it creates a scenario where the bad bacteria overgrow, it's easy to start seeing how much of this stuff is related back to when we've thought that it was grains in general. It's really the fact that the grains have been sprayed with this stuff, and for me when i made a wholehearted effort to clean up my diet one of the last things to go for me was coca cola because if i went and had a taco at lunch i would usually get a coke with it and the problem with soda is that it's made with high fructose corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup is made from gmo corn so glyphosate is probably in every soda there is on the market i will say this after i changed my diet and went to uh, a much better diet my GERD went away completely so i haven't had that in years i ate the last fast food hamburger i had in my life in 1999 and by that point in time i had whittled it solely down to Wendy's was the only place that I would eat so it's coming up on 20 years since I've driven through a restaurant drive through and you know every time you eat at a place like that and I'm throwing chick-fil-a in there and some of these other places that are in in uh, because we had a chick-fil-a in our office building in Atlanta And they're not always drive throughs but they're still fast food. But every time you eat at one of these places, you know, you give it 35 minutes, and then you feel horrible. And I'll tell you, if you stop eating at these places, that'll go away. And you'll save a lot of money. It's fascinating to me, though, that You have this symbiotic relationship with bacteria because we've sort of been conditioned to expect bacteria to be detrimental to our health. And especially all through the uh, 1900s where the uh, proliferation of antibiotics really came on and we basically started throwing that at everything you know unknowingly creating havoc with our immune systems because we didn't realize that we had this relationship with beneficial bacteria in our gut and to me it reminds me of the relationship between plants in the soil because plants don't grow in dirt plants grow in soil which is a literal which is a literal zoo of bacteria and other organisms and without those organisms in the soil especially bacteria the plant can't uptake the nutrients that it needs and so when we grow corn or or whatever it is in these fields that are sprayed with glyphosate the life in the soil is killed and so it's a lifeless soil and therefore yeah we'll get a good looking fruit but it's just a facade there's no nutrient density in the fruit or the crop whatever it is it's all just a, kind of a a facade of of a real nutritious plant and the fact that a plant needs beneficial bacteria in the soil and our body needs beneficial gut bacteria i mean that should tell you something it it really it speaks volumes about how we can't remove ourselves from nature, and when we try to do that, we end up literally diseased. And I hope that a lot of these new studies into what's going on with uh, Roundup and how it's affecting people's gut bacteria is really going to come to light and demonstrate on a wide scale how important it is to have glyphosate free food and we at least at the very least should be able to go out and get the food we want to buy. And if we want to buy GMO food, and if it's cheaper, and that's what you want to do, that's fine. I don't have a problem with people doing that. All I want to know is, is it there or not? Because you may decide that you want that particular food, while other people may decide that they don't want Roundup in their food. and that's the main point here that I'm trying to make that this hasn't been disclosed and they're actively out to keep it in the dark and it it's uh it's important it's important to our health and listen if you don't think that it is like I said turn <laughs> Turn this podcast off and send me a hate mail. But I believe if you're here listening to this, you you think that it is important for your health and I think that's why it's more and more just more responsible to grow as much of your own food as you can, to always try to go to your local farmer if you can go to a farmer's market do it if not try to buy organic but by all means just stay away from processed food because pretty much i mean there's not many people who don't benefit from who are in bad shape who have who are overweight and have lots of health issues there's hardly well i don't know That there's one person who doesn't benefit from changing their diet from a standard American diet to a more healthy diet. I mean, it seems like everybody gets better right away. And, you know, I don't think that the whole thing has been a conspiracy to keep people sick so that we'll end up being half diseased so that the uh, pharmaceutical companies can stay in business on these prescription drugs that everybody seems to be on for some malady or another you know i don't i don't think this was conceptualized in some boardroom or anything but the fact of the matter is, is that it's evolved into this situation do they want it to remain the same absolutely they want it to remain the same i mean it makes some money hand over fist it keeps You know, the hospital's full of patients. It keeps the medical profession um, in in money. It keeps the insurance companies in money. But, you know, a healthy populace is going to be a lot less expensive and a lot less taxing on society at large. But, you know, if... If they can maintain the status quo as it is now by keeping everything the way that it is, it's a perpetual money machine. I don't think there's a, you know, are are we out to, is Monsanto out to kill every person in the United States by poisoning them with glyphosate? Well, that wouldn't make any sense because then there wouldn't be any customers. But, I mean, more and more it looks as if that's the road we're kind of just blindly going down because it takes more and more and more of all these chemicals to beat back the resistant weeds that come up. So if you look at a graph of them tons per acre of this stuff that we put on the crops. You know, the chart looks like a hockey stick. It's parabolic almost. I mean, there was almost none in 1970, and now it's it's just, I think, over a thousand times greater. It may even be more than that. I'm not looking at the chart right now, but you get the point. There's way more of this stuff in the environment than there was, and there's a lot more health issues, and I think it's related. I mean, it's it's virtually um, the these diseases go up. They somebody overlaid a graph of of the amount of glyphosate in the environment and the amount of all of these um, autoimmune diseases and other things too like autism and it you know the graphs pretty much lay right on top of each other it's it it's really scary how correlated it is so what you what i suggest people do um and you know i'm nobody but I know that in my own life, especially with the GERD issue that I had, which was really a just a hellish um, way to be, because I was constantly riding around with a bottle of tums, you know, in my glove box, and I had them in the house, and I had them at work, you know, and that didn't even really help, but just. After that went away, I started preaching to some of my friends who had the same, you know, problems that if it stay away from certain things, that that might go away. So, you know, I've had firsthand experience with this, and I'm just happy that I didn't grow up in an era where, I mean, in the 70s, you got fast food on occasion i mean a hamburger was like a you know an occasional that was a treat you didn't we didn't serve we didn't we didn't exist off of hamburgers and french fries and even those burgers and back in those days were made a lot differently than they are today so if you (laughs) here's something to help us um in our kitchen because you know some i didn't think this up somebody um did i can't remember who maybe it was farmstead meets smith but you know he says something about you know my kitchen is sovereign so that's how i look at things you know I have a sovereign kitchen. You know, I'm practicing the art of sedition in my life by choosing or opting out of the factory food and the pharmaceutical and the chemical chemical company machine, and that's the best way to be seditious in our society. I mean, going out. Getting Verklempt over the next Supreme Court nominee is not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to do anything for your life, but you can change your life if you just decide today. Say, "Hey, I'm going to. Ha- I may be controlled in all kinds of ways and." There's so much that I don't have control over, but I'm going to take control over my kitchen. I'm going to have a sovereign kitchen. And you can do that in your backyard. I don't care if you're in an apartment. You know, I've grown potted plants on my, you know, 10 square foot patio outside the sliding glass door in an apartment in Atlanta. You know, I've everywhere I've grown. Everywhere I've lived I've grown plants. They weren't always necessarily edible plants, but the point is if you can grow a a a plant, a flower in a pot, you can grow you can put um parsnips in there or you can put celery in there or turnips or whatever. You know, if you have a place that you can put you know a geranium then you can put a vegetable in there and it's going to do the same thing and you can eat it so one of the other things that you can do and this is what i do and i I get so sick and tired of hearing people say that poor people have to go through the drive-through to get the dollar meal because it's all they can afford which is a bunch of nonsense i mean I've been broke when I was a kid Living paycheck to paycheck And and you didn't save money By going through the drive-thru Of a fast food restaurant You went and you bought A pound of beef You bought Kidney beans and A can of tomato sauce And you made chili And you ate chili the whole week You got a Package of Ham or whatever, and you made sandwiches for your lunch, you know you bought two liter sodas, and I'm saying all this stuff before I got hip to not eating processed food, but even back in those days, you know we knew the benefits of barbecuing a a roast or cooking a steak or or whatever the case is um and knowing that anytime you cook something. You're gonna have leftovers, so the point is you buy in bulk, so I'm not saying go buy fifty pounds of rice and eat that every night, although it would save you a lot of money, but it might not be good for you health wise, but the point is still the same when we get our meat from our local farmer, we get it by the half, so we buy half a cow at one time and Listen, I don't know what the prices are in the grocery store now, but when I would go and buy steak or beef, um, you know, sirloin or T-bone or whatever, those were, I think, in the 22 dollar range and 21 22 dollars i don't know where it's at now if it's higher or lower but but let's just put it like this grass-fed beefs you know retail is expensive but if you find a local farmer and you go ahead and get the whole cow if you have room for it or a half or a quarter go in with somebody you know and you're gonna have to spend you know, a grand or more up front, but the the dollar amount per pound goes down drastically. So the last um, half side of beef that we got here about a month ago, it cost me, you know, 1,900 bucks. And, you know, ground beef is 8 bucks a pound. But so is skirt steak, so is prime rib, so is T-bone, so is ribeye. You know, it's it's all the same and that's how you save your money and that's how you make your dollars go far and people say, "Well, I don't have that much money." Well, I see so many people going I happened to be in a store and someone bought a pack of cigarettes and I couldn't believe they were over $5 a pack. And if, let's just say, if you gave up cigarette smoking for a month, you'd have the money to buy a whole cow and probably then some. It's, you can do it. It's just that you've got to decide to do it, and if you want to, if you want to save money, and and you want to be completely out of the whole factory farming system, then the best way to do that is find a local beef farmer who does it the way they did it when we were, you know, when our grandparents were kids, the way they've been doing it for thousands of years. And just go and and get your stuff in, in, per per the side of beef. And you'll save so much money. You'll never have to worry about what... Is for supper because you go in your freezer and pick out whatever it is you you want to have same thing for pork you know we've got well we're raising our own pork now and it's not gonna be it's gonna be a little while before they're ready they're probably going on four or five six months old now born in born this summer so not even that old um but prior to that you know i got local pork here from various people and you know they just send out an email or tell somebody at the farmer's market you know they're going to take a pig to the butcher and you can buy it, the whole thing. You buy a half or whatever. So each time I've gotten a half a hog, and that that comes out to be way less than what you're going to pay in the grocery store. And you can you can order it however you want to do it. You can you can have them process it however you like. If you like it, you know if you like. Arkansas bacon instead of Boston butts, you can have them do it like that. Just there's a thousand different ways they can process a pig. And you know, the same thing goes with chicken and everything else. When each time uh, I got a farmer down the road from me, about 20 minutes, they do a batch of chickens every so often. They send out an email, and each time they send out an email, you know, I put in an order for 10 and you know the the more you can buy your stuff in bulk that way you're going to get you're going to do two things you're going to get a a better price and you're going to get a way better product when you go to the store and get this stuff a la carte it's been in feedlots it's sick it's had hormones and it's just not the way you want to eat and as as for vegetables i don't think there's a place in this country where you can't grow vegetables during the summer and i mean that's really not that hard to do it's well i'm not so great at it i'm learning but i never really garden that much um so it's, it's been a learning curve it's it's uh I won't say this easy to do, but I will say it's fun to do, and when you go out and pick something up out of the ground that you've had growing and you take it right in and you eat it right away, you can just taste the difference um you can you you know right away it's just there's something about it it's an almost an intangible um quality that it has but you know it intrinsically because you're a earthling (laughs) and really if you want to and and this is what one of the things we did because it it may be difficult sometimes for people to get torn away from when you kind of get used to crappy food like sodas potato chips and all that mess that is just some Frankenstein stuff they made in a factory, you know, Twinkies and all these other things. Once you get away from that stuff, you'll be really... It'll make you sick to get around that stuff, and you'll wonder how you ever even ate it because then you'll you'll really go this is this is uh <laughs> this this isn't food, and you'll know it, but you know you gradually get to the point where you you know you don't notice it because you start to have all these processed foods in your life in a gradual way or Maybe you're just in that kind of a household and 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 you were a child and you didn't have a you really didn't have any options so you you were brought up on it and but once you get out there and you start getting your own food from locally sourced food, you can go out and buy julia child's book uh, the Art of French Cooking and you can just start at the beginning of that book or wherever you like just i think i started on uh beef bourguignon so you you just start in that book and you start making those dishes and you do it exactly the way she says to do it even if you can't get organic food or you know you're just using what you can get out of the grocery store once you start to taste that food and you don't you know, you don't substitute the butter. If she says you use two pounds of butter, you use two pounds of butter. You know, you don't you don't start start substituting you know processed stuff for her ingredients. You you use it the way she says to do it and you start to do it just exactly how it's called for in the book, and then all of a sudden you'll start. Realizing that real food is just a, above and beyond any kind of crap that you might get out of a box or a fast food restaurant, and you'll your brain will make the connection, and you'll go, "Wow, this is this is really good food." We, I like to, I like to be able to eat like this all the time you know i wish i could eat like this all the time but i'm in a hurry you know so and i don't want to cook well if you have the the um the mindset that cooking is a chore or a job then you're not going to succeed but if you take cooking as a pleasure and Because really, there's not too many other things that you can get an almost instant gratification the way you can out of cooking. And you may fall on your face in the beginning a few times, but once you get the habit of, not really even the habit, but really the addiction to making quality food, you know, it it becomes a uh it's something that you want to do you know It's something that you look forward to and it's something that gives you a um uh, just it, it gives you satisfaction it's to me it's like gardening if you're gonna garden and you don't then take what you grew and and cook it you know then you're kind of defeating the purpose So, as goes gardening, so goes cooking. So, if you get a peaceful, contemplative um, demeanor while you're out in the garden, you can also have that same type of... Scenario in your kitchen as well. I usually, I usually like to listen to music while I cook, but I just enjoy cooking. I think we, you know, I'll cook, I'll cook twenty eight days out of a month. You know, I have a thirty day month. It's just something I don't mind doing, and I've enjoyed it for years. So, if you can just get started on it and you can you can take that book, and if you didn't learn anything from your parents like I didn't, you know you can take that book and you can learn, and that's not the only book there's others, but I think for me that if you if you there's not anything under the sun that that's not covered in there, you know, so you need something to do with lettuce besides make it in the salad, she'd show you how to do it, you know. You don't know how to um, cook, mm, I don't know, turnips. You know, she'll tell you how to do it in four different ways. So I think that pretty much summarizes what I wanted to say in this podcast, which has been all over the place. but. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you next time.